0: Let's try that again. Heavenly Father, before we bring our needs this morning, we will bring you our hearts. Oh God, we want to say so very much, we want so very much to please you, to walk in your ways and to carry out your purposes. There is nothing as important to us as being in the center of your will and living within your plan for our lives. Not only have you made us with your hands, O oh Lord, And created us for your purposes. You have stamped your image upon our hearts. Therefore, our deepest longings are met only in you and in the dedication of our lives to the accomplishment of your objectives. How can we live a life that is pleasing to you, O Lord? Our instincts are earthbound, the delights of this life tantalise and tempt us. Our insatiable longings and desperate attempts to please you are frustrated by the innumerable enemies of our soul. We fail so often to do what we really want to do. You do forgive us when we fail, Lord, and you put us back on our feet again. You have promised to strengthen us and to help us in our daily conflicts. Now we pray for wisdom to discern your will and the grace to carry it out in the days before us. You have shown how much you love us, Lord. We are to translate your love into terms that others can comprehend, to demonstrate your love before our fellow men about us. How we praise you, O Lord, because you love us even when we fail to respond in loving obedience. While we fall short in our sincere intent. In our sincere intentions, we rest within your will for us. Your promises are eternally secure, and you tenderly and patiently rekindle the fires within us and empower us to do that which we cannot do by ourselves. We love you, O God, and we gladly accept your will and purpose for our lives. Now please bless us and guide us and grant us grace to walk within that will and purpose, and have the joy of knowing that we are pleasing to you. In Jesus' name,
1: Amen. Thank you, Willie. Um, I was going to going to pray before I preach, but uh, that was fantastic. The promises of God, yeah, we, we rest in that, don't we? We rest in the promises of God, that he is with us, he is for us, not against us, that he has a good purpose for our lives, and that he uh, has a great desire to uh, infill us and use us uh, in his purposes. There we go. (laughs) It's been such a wonderful uh, month together as we've been unpacking Let Your Light Shine. Um, I know I've been challenged as I've been preparing uh, for these messages, as I've been researching and thinking about my own personal life and how uh, I might shine in front of others, and uh, the things that I'm actually saying I need to take on myself as well. And today is the the last uh, day that we're going to be speaking on this theme of letting our light shine. And uh, today is going to be a little bit different. It's not going to be a sermon, uh, so to speak, more of an encouragement uh, because there's no point in just theorizing and theologizing about what it means to let our light shine. At the end of the day, it is actually about doing. And it's actually about going. Um, so how do we take what we've learnt, how do we take what we've heard from God, what we've been challenged by perhaps, and actually put into practice uh, as we go and live our lives uh, in the world? Uh, how do we take that? So I really wanted this morning to be an encouragement and to be uh, used as a... I guess a bit of a practical tool uh, for you all as you take hold of what we've been talking about and actually put it into practice. Um, and so I'm gonna be inviting some people to share uh, some, some stories, some experiences. And so hopefully in that too, you might um, be encouraged and go, hey, wow, this has happened for them. Maybe if I step out a bit, maybe, maybe if I begin doing something I haven't perhaps done before, Um, Those sorts of things um, can happen in me too. So I really do hope that this be an encouraging time for you, an empowering time, um, because at the end of the day, our church is not going to grow because we've got the best sermons. It's not going to grow because we've got the best lighting and sound. It's not going to grow because we've got the best... um, Car parking, I don't know, some other <laughs> ideas. It's going to grow because we've got the best people who actually take the best message in the world and actually share that in their best way. That's how the mm. church is going to grow. As we go forth and as we share with those around us the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that's how the church is going to grow. Um, so, we read um, from Matthew, and you probably know this off by heart by now. Probably not a bad thing. You are the light of the world. A town on a hill can't be hidden away. So lift. Oh, sorry. Um, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, so it's up high for people to see, and it gives light to everyone who's in the house. And I- I asked a question a couple of weeks back, who is in your house? Who is in your environment? Who is in your world that your light is shining upon? In the same way, let your light shine. And we said last week, that's a conscious choice to actually choose to let it shine. Now We can choose to put it under a bowl or we can consciously actually make an effort and choose to let our light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds. As others see and experience and view uh, the way that we live our lives, it has an impact on them. And the ultimate purpose is that they glorify your Father in heaven. The end goal is that people come to faith in this God that we declare and that we believe in because of the way that we live. And so we are to shine before others. We are to declare and be a life that makes a difference and is noticeable. I said last week, is attractive to others. In a similar way, before Jesus' ascension, he said to his disciples, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all of Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And in this um, particular passage, we have these ever-widening circles. So first in Jerusalem, not first, but in Jerusalem, and then in Judea, and then in Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. And so there's this... Expansion. There's this going forth. There's this going out that we're we're talking about in our um, vision for us as a church, ascending out. And Jesus's mission isn't completed until it reaches the ends of the earth, until all people hear the goodness of Jesus. And so we are to be witnesses. But what is a witness? A witness is someone who attests to a fact. They testify to what is true, or they verify facts. Mm -hmm. And so how do we testify to what is true in our life? How do we verify what we believe to be true? It's through the way we live and the way we engage with those around us. As we go, as we spread, we witness to the truth by allowing others to see what it is that we believe. So we go and we let our light shine before others. I've, in my um, preparing for these weeks uh, on this theme, I've come across quite a number of practical principles, some do's and don'ts, if you like, of what it actually means to share our faith. And so I wanted to actually share those notes that I wrote down along the way. And some of you might be used to a three-point sermon. Well, this morning it's going to be a 15-point sermon. So that, that's good. Um, but, before, but again, I wanted it to be just an encouraging, practical thing. What's some things that we can take away from here, but before I get into those points, just a couple of stories, a couple of testimonies about people who have actually gone out and actually uh, shared their faith with others and the experience that they've had through that. I'm going to ask Kathy up first. Good
2: morning. Good morning. Once upon a time, about. Well, a few decades ago, I was 14. Anyone else remember being 14? Yeah. It's often an age where people go through a bit of a rebellious time, finding out who they are. My way of rebelling was to be open about my faith. It's a bit countercultural. Um, I get so frustrated when people weren't, especially my parents. Urgh, parents! Anyway... I had a friend I used to catch the bus with to school and she had recently been baptised and had shared her faith publicly for the first time that way and I had a conversation with her about this and how wonderful it was and she said, you know, I hadn't really owned my faith and then we had that conversation on the bus, do you remember? And I went, what conversation?
1: <laughs> you weren't even you weren't even aware that your light was shining and it had an impact that's fantastic Wow what a great story Jim when I asked if anyone had some some stories about this I was I was certain Jim was going to one of the one he had, and he's actually got a couple, which is great, isn't it? It might take a little while, a little while. that's okay.
3: <laughs> Thank you, I don't like this. That's very, I, can't, I can't see. That doesn't matter. I'm Jim, and I'm nearly 87, and I think it's a wonderful privilege to be able to share about the beauty of our God. I'm so pleased to be able to be here going to share three, three different testimonies, two short ones, and one's quite a little story about a young man called Don. But first of all, I'd like to share what God showed me in the shower this morning while I was praying. Away. Pray. And God's I take from that that... Uh, for all those who have any laden, come to him and he will take your load from you and set you free. One year ago I was playing golf with a, my very one of my very best friends. I've known him for twenty years. And I won't use his name. We had our first drive off the tee walking along and we were chatting about something. I don't know what it was. And he turned to me. Uh, First of all, I'd like to say that I've shared, shared the gospel with him completely, many times. He doesn't want to hear about it. He doesn't want to talk about it, but God had made it possible. And so over the years, I've shared the gospel with him, even though I thought I might lose his friendship. But we're greater friends than ever. He is an atheist and I care a lot about him. He's a lovely, lovely man. He's well-educated, far more educated than I could ever be, studied in England, etc. That's the kind of man he is. He never used to talk about anything personal for, <coughs> for um, the first, say, 10 years. And in the last 10 years, we've become great friends and he's opened up his life. So we're walking along and chatting about whatever it was. And he turned to me and he said, Jim, you're the most humble man I've ever met. And I was stunned. I was embarrassed. I didn't know what to say. That's the first testimony. The second is also a golf story. Five years ago, there's a lawyer. <coughs> excuse me. I went to mention his name. I'm going to call him Herman. Because he came from, he comes from Europe. Very proud young man, about forty. Um, very educated, he's a lawyer. And arrogant, but he's nice, and I like him, and we get on very well. So this is five years ago. So we get to the f- first punting green, and the uh, four four in the group it's competition day, and. Uh, Herman lines up his putt, and it's a terrible putt. And he says, "Jesus Christ, this is our abuse." I won't tell you the rest of it. He talked about the golf war for quite a long time at the top of his vo- at the top of his voice, and the silence from the other three, well, the other two and myself. <clears throat> then he turned to me and said, "Jim, I'm sorry." I'd never spoken to Don. Sorry, of Herman about the uh, gospel in all the time I've known him. The third story, this is not a story, this is an account of a young man called Don, young married man. Um, at this stage, God was just beginning to do some remarkable things in the district where we lived. And uh, Leonard and I, had begun to to pray. And um, we didn't know this young couple. They were farmers about five miles away, young married couple, no children. And I worked in town and she came home one day and said she'd met Sandra, I can use her name, she knows, we know her very well, Um, that Sandra and uh, Sandra was distressed and she knew that Jim and Lynette prayed and would we pray for her because she'd been losing her babies and she was in such distress And but we were to keep it a secret and uh, she'd heard that we prayed so Lynette came home and we began to pray and we prayed and prayed and while this was going on um, God was calling people out to build a church. So I was a part of a, a small growing church and we are having church in our home. And I was reluctant to be the leader, but I had to be. So being shy, I found that very difficult. But there we were. Then at the same time, God did a miracle in our lives. From being having nothing, we... All of a sudden, I owned a farm. That's a different testimony. It was a miracle, but it's a part of the story. As if we were having shearing time, and uh, I needed, I desperately needed to borrow some stencils to to brand the wool wool because I knew farm and I didn't didn't have them. We were shearing. I needed this stencil. Could only think of one person to borrow them from, it was Don, the, the husband of Sandra. So I went and asked Don, and I hadn't ever met him before. Drove down there and borrowed the stencils. He would happy to lend me the stencils and had sharing. And I uh, thought, oh, I have to take the stencils back to Don now. Being shy, I really didn't want to do that, but I knew I had to, so I'm driving into town and I'm, like, no, I'm not. no, I'll do this another day. And uh, God obviously said to me, no, you do it now, and I didn't want to do this. But I did. I turned into the driveway, and there he was standing outside the house, as if waiting for me. So I got out of the utility and gave him the stencils, and I was about to go and say, thank you, goodbye, and he said, said something. And I listened to her and said something else, and I don't remember what it was. So with that, I began to share the gospel and I told him, started to telling him about Jesus and who Jesus was and what he could do for him. And then, this took quite a little while, and then I, he said nothing. And then, all of a sudden, I noticed he became very strange and I thought, I've said too much. And I, being shy, I thought, i better go and I wanted to go. So goodbye, Don, and I left, went off into town <coughs> Um, we began to have church in our house on the farm. That's why God gave us the farm. It had a big house with a big room. And uh, this was grow, grew very quickly. People were being born again from all walks of life. And we were meeting together. And one night, uh, Sandra brought Don along. And they kept coming. Then Sandra announced that, she had had a beautiful baby boy and that was a beautiful time and we used to think this is our, our little boy we'd been praying secretly for this to happen. So Don, um, now I need to say at this point that their marriage was totally on the rocks. It was They were lost. They were about to get divorced. It was finished. This is before the baby. Now I didn't know that when I went to see Don. I knew none of this. So remember, I had walked away thinking I've said too much. So uh, we moved into this town. The church grew and grew and donned, and Sandra became pillars of the church. And if they hadn't been my helpers, God couldn't have done what he did. One of the young men who walked in off the street was born again and became a pastor. Another became a wonderful evangelist, he was a policeman became a wonderful evangelist. And so it goes on. And God did a remarkable thing and the church grew and grew. So about a year after all this happened, here's the point, we have a home fellowship in Don and Sandra's house this night. And Don looked at the man and said, Amongst the fellowship he said, Jim, remember the day that you called into the farm? and you were talking to me about Jesus, and I said, yeah. <laughs> and he said, well, as you we began to the talk, I could only think of one thing. Why doesn't he touch me? Please touch me. I pray that he will touch me. They are the most precious words I think I've ever heard, and I will treasure those words forever. Wow,
1: great stories just on a bus or on the golf course, going about your life, sharing the good news and just how God takes that. Now, because of time, I'm just going to absolutely whiz through <laughs> these points. Um, so, as I said, as I was I kept writing notes on on this about these practical principles, some do's and don'ts when it comes to to sharing our faith. Number one is know your gospel. I mean, it might seem obvious, but what is actually the good news? What is the message of Jesus? Um, Do we add to it or do we complicate it? Uh, Or do we actually... Share the simple truth of the good news of Jesus. Um, Paul in Corinthians says, And this is the gospel that Jesus died for our sins, rose to life on the third day, according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. (laughs) That's his account of the gospel. But sometimes we kind of Christianize it or use big words that sometimes we don't even understand. And so it's really important that we contextualize and make it personable uh, to those people that we, we are talking to. And I think um, with what Jim said, I think the biggest need for people is the need to be loved and to be accepted. And the good news is that God loves them. That God laid down his life, that's showing his love for them and that he was raised to life, and that the Spirit can come upon a person, and that they can know the goodness of Jesus, and they can be accepted and loved. And that's the gospel. That's the gospel. So know the gospel. In fact, the word evangelism is ev, which is good, and angel, which is messenger. So it basically means good messageizing, declaring the message well. That's what it means. Number two, simply share your story. These guys shared their stories. Each and every one of you has a story to tell. In fact, if we were to collate everyone's stories and put it into a book, it would probably be a pretty interesting read. Because everyone's story is unique, everyone's story is different, but it all Mm -hmm. has the same thread, that they have been impacted by the love and goodness of God. And the thing about your experience, and when you share your story, is that other people go, wow, it happened for you, maybe it can happen for me. And the other thing about sharing your story is that people can't dispute it. (laughs) It's your experience, it's what happened to you, and it's true, you're testifying to what has happened in your life. So your story is incredibly powerful. Don't ever underestimate the power of your story. Number three, number three. be prepared, be ready. We like to be prepared for all sorts of things in life, don't we? But are we actually prepared and ready for that encounter, for that chance to share our hope? Um, Dave Smythe always says, Always be open for business. Are we prepared? Are we ready? Um, Peter, in 1 Peter says, Revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you and to give a reason for the hope you have. Give a reason for it. And I would encourage you to actually daydream what it would look like to share Your faith is someone. Have you ever thought about doing that? Actually picture it in your mind. Hey, I've got this person. What would it look like if I actually what would I say? What would I declare? What how would I interact with this particular person? What would be some of the things that they would say back to me? Be prepared. Number four, don't criticize or judge. see a lot of this in our world where people are very quick to judge one another. And look at the way Jesus ministered to all the people that he was talking to. Very rarely did he judge or criticize those who came to him. He had a few words to say about the Pharisees, but those who earnestly came and sought him uh, he loved them so much. Again, the gospel is good. So don't judge. Because when you judge people, you put yourself higher than them. And people look at you and go, well, I can't, I can't get there. So don't, don't judge or criticise. Number five, know how other people think. Now, this is really important. See, if we're just living in a bubble and completely unaware of how other people think and live, then we're just going to be so strange to people. So actually be engaged and understand what makes people think. What's the current trends? What's what's people's perception of, of the world that they live in? Know how other people think. Number six, be interested in what other people are interested in. Last week, I said it's all about relationship, 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 relationship. How do you best have a relationship with people? How do you best build a friendship? It is by being interested in what they're interested in. Ask questions and allow them to talk and actually ask questions on their responses. Be interested in what they're interested in. I know I'm racing through. (laughs) Focus on the most receptive. And this is... The parable of the sower. We are to share the gospel. We are to scatter seed uh, in all of our life. But the reality is, sometimes that seed will land on hard ground. But there are times where that seed lands on the fertile person. And there are countless people that we come in contact with, but there will be people that there's a spark in their eye. There is something that's going on. Focus on the most receptive. Now this one's interesting. Make friends before converts. Um, this came up in, in my research. And it's so true. If people think that we're out to get a notch on our belt or or another number or, <laughs> or something like that, they're, they're going to just run away. We really need to build friendships first. And that person needs to know that we actually care for them first and foremost. Soren actually has a a story about this in his personal life. I'm going to get Soren to come up and share.
4: Is this on? I think any good sharing has to start with, is this on? So uh, look, um, as my uh, my story isn't um, necessarily remarkable in the way that I sort of came to came to God. I grew up in a church as a child. Um, Went to sort of early on adolescence. Went to youth events and um, you know attended things here and there. And I guess um, as a as you know as a lot of young adults. Uh, probably experience as you move into uh, later in your teens and into your um, into sort of early adulthood. You, you know, m- I might have maintained a general interest in church or had some sort of nominal respect for traditions and things like that that happened around church. But I think what Sam sort of mentioned, I, had, I, I did have this, I had a, a very... Strong sense of when people were uh, only really taking an interest in me to get me into church, and um, you know, people who only um, sort of spoke to me about some sort of program that was upcoming or whatever it was. And um, you know, I got a lot, I got invited to things, and you know, um, often I guess people who uh, to me, were, were people that I didn't necessarily know all that well. They might have even been strangers. Sort of invited me along to things, and you know, and I, I don't, I don't think there's any um, danger in doing that. I don't think there's a there's a danger in wanting to actually bring people to church. Um, it was, I guess, um, a big part of it for me was that I didn't really want to be part of a ministry project or somebody's sort of. I think notch or something, you know, I wanted actually to have a um, relationship with people and um, one day out of the blue, sort of an old, an old friend of mine who uh, was living in Sydney called me up and said he needed a place to stay for a couple of nights because he was in town uh, for the weekend and, uh, you know, if I wanted to catch up and if, if I had a spare bed or something, so we had him stay with us, he stayed in our spare room and um, he actually turned out he was running a, a course at a local church, it was sort of a three-day introduction to you know sort of alpha style but probably not as uh, intensive it was just sort of an introductory you know introduction to the faith type of thing and um i ended up sort of going along for a couple of days to that and for me that was kind of it was uh that friendship and that relationship with uh, that person at a time in my life where um you know I had a I had a general respect for things, and I, you know, I wasn't necessarily. Uh, I certainly had lots of questions. I think a lot of young adults have lots of questions. Um, probably had a number of frustrations that I um, needed to deal with. But that relationship and that person being in my house, um, and you know, was kind of the catalyst that got me through the door to actually start genuinely looking at my faith and. Um, Probably about a month or so after he'd, you know, he'd sort of come for the weekend, did his thing, and left. But about a month after that, I called him up and let him know that I'd, you know, given my life to God, and that was kind of what started my story as as a as a mature Christian, I guess, to a degree, or as a, as someone who was interested in actually becoming a Christian. And I guess there's probably a lot of contributing factors in that journey, but um, some the thing that I guess got me to a place where I was ready to respond. To a message that I'd known or that I'd heard uh, was actually that friendship with with somebody. It was the fact that somebody uh, wanted to be in a relationship with me uh, or that was in a relationship with me and felt comfortable sort of sharing uh, what they were doing. Um, And yeah, I think when people are isolated or they've got queries or concerns, reservations, uh, they probably do become acutely aware of being targeted. You know, we probably do become, you know, when you're a young adult, you're pretty anti sort of anybody, you've got a bit of a barrier up and you, you are acutely aware of people only wanting to talk to you um, because of because God or because of some sort of program that's going on at church or whatever it is, you know. And I myself since then have had an opportunity to speak to a lot of my friends, you know, who. Uh, atheists or you know agnostics are a lot easier to talk to because at least they can acknowledge there's some sort of semblance that you might be talking some talking reasonably about something but yeah so a big a big factor that I guess when I spoke to Sam about was um, how much room do we have in our lives for people um, you know we might have a lot of room to invite people but how much room can we make or give uh, of our lives for relationship with people, maybe new people, people that we actually, um, you know, haven't necessarily got a relationship with, and that can be really tough. You know, churches church communities can be tight. Um, we can have really well formed long term relationships that we lean on and rely on, and uh, we can try to squeeze something into an already pretty packed schedule, but that that relationship that new that new friendship um, can really be a huge investment in the life of somebody else that we actually don't know that we could be the catalyst like Someone was my friendship with someone was that catalyst for me. Um, so yeah that was kind of what I, what I shared about so thanks. That's great.
1: making room for people in our lives for a relationship. Um, so in order to yeah we're, we're wanting to befriend people we're wanting them to you know be friends with us and us with them and in that we can share our faith. Give your best first impression, smile <laughs> oh, there's nothing worse than someone who's just gloomy and down in the dumps, trying to share the gospel of the good news of Jesus. Come on, smile. It's good news. Uh, um, There's a Chinese saying, a man without a smile shouldn't open a shop. (laughs) Trying to share the gospel without a smile just doesn't work. By the way, smiles aren't for you because you can't see them. They're, they're for other people because you can't see your smile. So give them away. Give away your smiles to other people. Number 10, call and remember people's <gasps> names. Oh, it's a hard one for me. <laughs> you know, sometimes a person's name is the sweetest sound they'll ever hear. Jesus was tremendous at, at calling people out their names. Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. When you remember a name, it makes a person feel special as if you are really interested in them. Number 11, listen, listen, listen. Sometimes the best way to share our faith is not by information, it's actually just listening. And uh, Carol, Carol's got a great story about the power of listening.
5: About five years ago, we had some new neighbours move in next door to us and we quickly became friends and over the years, we've socialised regularly. We've cooked for each other and uh, we've even started making a path between our two properties so that we can walk safely to each other's house because we're on a blind bend, which is a bit dangerous. We've always met as couples, but last year, the Lord put on my heart to invite the wife over for a girl's chat and a coffee. And one of the things we discovered was that as children we had both been sent to church by parents who didn't attend. She and her mother had been treated very poorly by a church when she was about 10 years old. They gave her a pledge card to take home to her mother to sign, promising to give a certain amount of money to the church. And uh, I don't know if it was due to lack of understanding of what she was actually signing or whether there was a change in their circumstances but she was unable to uh, follow through on the commitment that she'd made. So an elder from the church came around to visit them and asked why she wasn't giving the money that she'd promised. And uh, he didn't inquire whether they were having any difficulties or offer to help if they did. He was just interested in the money. So you can imagine the impression that left on them both. That afternoon, she just poured her heart out to me and she'd had a lot of uh, pain and heartbreak in her life and just before she had to leave I asked her if I could pray for her which she gladly agreed to. When I'd finished praying she just sat there with the tears streaming down her face and she said to me no one has ever listened to me before. I'm praying that one day she will meet Jesus and that was just the first step but the Lord is enabling me to build on it This neighbour along with two other ones came to breakfast at Joan's Pantry and our op shop hop and they loved it and they all commented on, on how lovely the ladies from our church were. And I'm sure that that's doing a lot to change my friend's impression of the church that she knew as a child and even more so when she does come to know Jesus.
1: Fantastic. Wow. What a great story. First time anyone's ever listened to me. You know, there are so many people in our lives with stories of pain and heartache, just never able to share. Perhaps we can just be that listening ear. Avoid arguments. Arguing never wins anyone. When you win an argument, you lose a friend. People feel inferior when they've lost an argument, and how can a person open up if they feel inferior? There's a saying, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. I see this all around me, particularly on social media, where people just at each other with comments, 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 comments. It's never gonna win. Best way to win an argument sometimes is to avoid it. Number four, no, five, 13, remember it's Jesus who saves, not you. It's Jesus that does the work. Sometimes we can put so much pressure on ourselves that it's up to us to get a person across the line. But really it is just to share the goodness of God and it's the Holy Spirit that works, which is number 14. Rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact that the passage from Acts was out of the context of receiving power from on high to be witnesses. We can only truly witness to the goodness of God through the power of the Holy Spirit in us. And number 15, and if there was a priority list, and this isn't this is in any order, this would probably be number one, and it's why I've left it to last. Pray for opportunities. Actually ask God to bring about people in your life through whom you can share your faith with and you'll be surprised how often do we go through our day and totally miss opportunities because we're just not consciously aware of it but if we are prepared and if we are praying how much more open will we be when that person actually comes across our path. I haven't got time to share a funny story, that's okay. I'm going to invite um, Kathy and Hannah up. The first week of this series, um, I read out some lyrics of a song for The One. And Hannah came up to me after saying, I love that song, I've been, been singing it. And it's just been so special to me. And uh, Hannah and Kathy are going to sing it now. And we are so blessed. I was in the practice and a little bit teary. Um, at just their gifting but on this notion of praying for opportunities now this song is about the one that they might in our smile see the father's love and I had prepared at the end of this time for us to think about five names of people that we can be praying for and be aware of. And I felt the Lord say, no, not five, one. Let's start with one. And I want to really encourage you this morning, really encourage you, that as these guys sing this song, we would be open to and praying for the one, that we would ask the Holy Spirit to actually bring to light who is that one person in our lives that God is actually drawing us to and that we would be bold enough to actually follow through with that and actually share our faith with that one. So I'm going to pray and then I'm going to hand it over to these guys and I'm just really encourage you just to stay in that atmosphere of prayer and openness to the Spirit and the Lord might just Want to do something miraculous in your heart this morning as just a face comes to view or a name just pops into your head, perhaps from your past that you haven't heard of for a long, long time. So, Lord, we just thank you that it is through the Spirit uh, that we have boldness to declare your goodness. So Holy Spirit, right now, we invite you here, and we invite you to minister to us in a way that is just so profound and so real and so tangible. Lord, as this song is sung, I pray that you bring to mind the one, the one that you are putting on our hearts, that might be the one that we have a part to play in them coming to know you as their Lord and Saviour. So Lord, minister to us now as we uh, listen to these words. And may these words be a prayer that even in our smile, (laughs) those people would see the Father's love. In Jesus' name, Amen.
6: Let me Even in just a smile They would feel the Father's love Godfather good father let all my life tell of who you are and the wonder of your never ending love let all my life tell of who you are that your wonderful. Such a good father, that you are wonderful, and such a good father. Help me to love with open arms like you do, a love that erases all the lines and sees the truth. Even in just a smile, they would feel the Father's love. Even in just a smile, they would feel the Father's love.
7: That was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. What a beautiful way to end a whole series that it's not about us, it's about a beautiful, wonderful, amazing, loving Father and his desire to reach others and that he chooses to use us when we let him. If you'd like prayer, and um, I encourage the prayer team to come down to the front, if you'd like prayer either for that one, that you really sense that the Lord has put on your heart, to so pray for them and, and ask for opportunities. Or if you've got anything else that you'd either like as a prayer point or a prayers point to share with our prayer team, we'd love to hear from you. Thank you, Sam. A great message. And um, as we go this evening, this evening, this it feels a bit like that, doesn't it? It's long. As we go from here this morning... Make your way through and collect your children. If you do have young children who are having rice, remember that it will be very hot. There's soy sauce and uh, sweet chilli sauce as well to pop on that hot rice. And uh, we'd love you to make a donation to our missions if you're able to do that today. And have a wonderful week.